Welcome to the after party for the one shot, the Clockwork Tower. Hello! Yay! Hurrah! <laughs> I didn't so, know what to say. It didn't completely suck, right? <laughs> I yeah. it. it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. You did such a great job. Thanks. That's magnifique. <laughs> I was so frustrated by the end of the second half of that with the module and the lack of material and information and making sense in the module. DMing is hard, you guys. DMing is hard. I don't know if that's... If, would you really say that you had, it was difficult for you to, to DM or did you just have some situations where uh, it was a little difficult to make a decision, but... You seem to really enjoy it, right? Yeah, for the most part, it was fun. It was just those few little things that just the way it was written in the module didn't make sense, and I didn't have anybody to talk it through with me to make it make sense. What are you talking about? You talked it through with all of us. <laughs> yeah, before. <laughs> By the beforehand. end of it. Well, okay, we everybody there. put on your thinking caps here, and let's get ourselves <laughs> through this. <laughs> no, I mean, would you encourage other first-time dms to give it a shot and you know we're here really to talk about your first experience and and how that went for you yeah totally i would say give it a shot if you have an interest in it and uh having a module i mean i haven't come up with something completely from scratch so i don't know what the difference would be but it seems like having a module makes it easier gives you a good starting point and so you don't have to do a lot of thinking things through but I probably should have done a little more thinking things through. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I don't know. And you and you did. And you said I don't know. It's fine. We're annoying and asking all sorts of little questions. What's this do? What's this do? What's this do? Yeah, I have a. I have, think I have a better idea of if I was going to do another one, which I would like to do another one someday, and do another module. And I have a better idea of what to look for I think because I mean I've played and I know what it's like being a player and asking all the little questions but it's different when you're the one having to come up with all the little answers so it's just um I think next time I will go through and there's things that don't make sense in the module or I can't figure out I'll just make a decision beforehand and that's what it'll be instead of trying to make it make trying to make it work with what they wrote make it work for me Right, right, right. Yeah, because that was actually one th- something I was going to ask you um, about. Because again, I've never run a module. I've only ever done homebrew stuff, so I really can't even. I can't. I can't speak to the differences between the two. Really, um, at least as far as firsthand knowledge goes. But I'm just wondering if, with sit- you're sitting down with the module and, and you read through it, and because it is this self-contained matter of of, ba- of perfect knowledge right i mean you're working with perfect knowledge i ideally assuming the module is a decently written module at the very least but that notwithstanding you have this perfect knowledge and of course reading through it from start to end it does make sense to you in that moment and then you of course have you know the x factor which is always the players so I'm just wondering, were there actual instances when you were reading through it that you were like, I don't understand what they're trying to do with this part? Like, did you find that? Were there instances of that? Yeah, there were. Like, the clock tower had that entrance on the front of the clock. 
and it said specifically the door was between the, the six and the seven. It, and you could see it from the outside if you had a high enough perception check. And then it said you came in. Basically, you came in on the second floor if you went through that clock tower, through that door in the clock tower, in the actual clock face. You would come in on the second floor. But then it said when you come in on the first floor and you look to the right, there's the stairs that go to that door, which doesn't make any sense. Because if you came in on the second floor, the stairs would be going through the floor up to that door. Right. There would be another staircase to the second level. Right. Yeah. There, so there was contradictions like that. It just didn't make sense to me. Oh, that's So that's why I made the, the clock face so massively huge that you could see half of it on the first floor. Like right. it just takes up the whole freak in front of the tower. Oh, that makes so much sense because that was something I'm, I was conf- like, especially listening back. I don't think I really paid much attention to it when we were playing. But I was like listening back. I'm like, where the hell was it? Because you mentioned you do mention that other door. And you, you said, you know, had you come through, this is where you would have come through from this door on the outside. I'm like, we didn't even give a fuck about that door. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> right, and I didn't, yeah. I don't think I did a very good job of explaining how big that clock face was and how much of the front of the clock tower it took up. I don't think mm-hmm. I ever actually said that. And so that would have helped you guys a little bit, I think. You kind of did. I asked about it, right? Like once we were inside and you could see out through part, like the bottom half of it more or less. That was another thing that frustrated me with the module is they've said, you know, people see blue lights. Well, how? How are yeah. they seeing these blue lights? Because you have, I, mean, I the only thing I'd figure would be through the clock face because the only window in the place on the second floor is grimy and they specifically see say you can't see through it. Now, I do want to clarify, this is not a full module. This is like a three-page Yeah, it's very short. Thing. So it's it's more like a book of random encounters that has a little bit of background to it. Mm-hmm. So the idea is you're traveling from one place to another and, you know, hey, you want to insert something into your adventure. Here's a little bit of backstory you can throw out there for a, a small one-shot. And they just give you a little bit of information for you to sort of fill in the rest. And I think that was probably one of the things you were reading it more as needing expecting a lot more information than they were actually going to give you yeah i think somebody that was more uh used to being a dm that has done it before and has developed those muscles better um would have an easier time with these modules with these yeah they're they're typically not very descriptive okay but there was one page like the bottom floor was very descriptive there was a lot of information about the first floor, but then there's a lot of information lacking on the second floor. Hmm. Like the whole thing with the bells. So they serve as like this this skeleton that possibly a, a more, I don't want to say advanced, but a, okay, experienced, sure. A more experienced game master could then add the, the flesh and the muscle and the skin. and. I think they would have an easier time with it, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that sounds like a pretty i could see like using something like that totally um that's pretty cool as as, as opposed to you know a, a kind of a dinky little random encounter chart that you might roll on kind of thing right yeah just of the adventure was essentially find out what the blue white lights were in the tower and is it haunted that was our goal right there's not much of a goal there you get inside and go up to the top and you should be able to figure out what the blue lights are and know that it's is or isn't haunted. Right. So it's really for a a couple hours. Yeah. 
Which is why I picked it, because we wanted to only play for a couple hours. Yeah, I think as as much as you would have prepared them, like you said, well, you could have thought more into this or that before you started. I mean, there's no predicting what people are going to do once they get into a situation. So, like, yes, I can see where you might have felt, I wish I was more prepared, but really, I mean, ask Leland. He is never prepared or could be prepared enough oh, whoa. for the incorrigibles, all right? Excuse me, I'm allowed to <laughs> we say do that. What we want. You can't say that. <laughs> yes, I will, I will certainly uh, agree that <laughs> I predominantly spit bullshit. <laughs> So that's why that, that's probably why this idea of this loose skeleton, actually, I'm kind of drawn to because I'm now I'm not really drawn to running a full module. I would just much rather create something that is my own. But that's not to say that I wouldn't, you know, cannibalize a module and use bits and pieces of it and adapt it myself. So that's this this kind of thing. It literally sounds like the perfect thing that I would actually want to use. Yeah, I think it would be really good for you. So what's, um, I'm not totally familiar with this terminology, a module versus like what we did. What's the difference? So a module is is usually a story that's set up in chapters and usually sets you on a, a, you'll start out at level one and get to level six, you know, kind of thing. It's, it could be very, uh, um, level based in what, how it's set up so you're fighting little easier things at the beginning and working your way up through the storyline. Okay. And it's sort of set and has has sort of a depth to it. You're going to meet characters that you may meet characters later on, or they all sort of weave together. So it's it, it's not that you have to be railroaded into the story, but the DM sort of has to keep you on track. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, yeah, but I like everyone knows like you're there to play this. Like when you sit down to play a mod, you're like, well, okay, we're here to do the the goal of this module. I think that's usually a, all the players at the table know this isn't a sandbox we're playing. And also they, they are, they're finite, right? The module is, it will take a finite amount of time as opposed to an open-ended campaign, which uh, we've mentioned, I think numerous times, generally, I think most parties will say when you're playing a homebrew open-ended campaign, the campaign never actually ends. It just fizzles. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's yeah. also that's also I think that. a great benefit for like the existence of modules. So like um, I've seen uh, different books out there. I'm trying to think of a name of one, like uh, Tomb of Annihilation or Curse of Strahd. Are those would that be considered a module? Those are like full books, right? Yeah. So back in the early days of D and D, you would get small modules, which were small uh, snippets of. Uh, an adventure, uh, usually a couple, two or three level type of things. And in 5th edition, those are usually a lot bigger, usually a number of them together. Like Tomb of Annihilation is a bunch of the older modules put together in one book that you can string together or you can play them separately. But something like, you know, Storm King's Thunder is is chapters of a whole entire story. So okay. you sort of, like, like Leland said, you're sort of sitting down and saying, hey, we're we're going to play through this, or you can go in, and a lot of people I know go in and take pieces of those modules and use them in their own uh, sandbox campaign. Gotcha. That was another thing. I didn't know how to end it. So you guys basically did your goal, and I'm like, okay, we're <laughs> done now. <laughs> I ended it. Now. <laughs> Pam ended it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Find out next time. Yeah, you, you know what's funny about that is that wasn't actually like the end of our recording. We like 
blather on for another five minutes after that. And <laughs> yeah, I was pretty sure I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, because because when you said that, like we were all just like, I mean, we were kind of done, but we were all talking over each other, like not being like you know we're just shooting the shit instead of actually recording a podcast and so we're like i had to cut out all the blather around you saying that because i was like oh, oh yeah. this is perfect <laughs> that's pam she's perfect yeah, yeah i like the way it ended <laughs> so so now that you've you've done a one shot recorded a one shot what are the things that you think were uh the most enjoyable as a first time dm most enjoyable i do enjoy tacking you guys yeah <laughs> yeah a little too much i think mm-hmm. you're very gleeful when we missed <laughs> and then at times you were like oh man they're really shit in the bed here i wish they were going to do better <laughs> yeah i didn't want to kill you because i almost did that the one time john and i co-dm'd and he uh reeled me back in before it all went very astray before the tpk happened yes <laughs> There, there's nothing wrong with a TPK if it happens somewhat naturally. <laughs> but when it's forced. <laughs> I didn't want to take you guys out because I wanted to, want you guys to enjoy it too. And it's it's not really fun when your character dies when it's not planned. I mean, it could, it's very shocking. <laughs> but I don't know. I What did I enjoy most? I did enjoy telling the story, I think, and leading you guys... On, on what to do. I did not so much enjoy role-playing a bunch of different characters and having to come up with different voices for them because they, they all sounded very similar, I thought. Oh, they were perfect. That That's was, honestly that my biggest fear of DMing is having to have a bunch of voices in my back pocket for NPCs that we run into. That's also why I didn't let you go talk to anybody in the town or anything like that. I'm like, no, oh, I'm yeah. not going to come up with a whole bunch of different people for you guys to talk to. <laughs> You're going There's straight to the tower. There's a lot of people out there that don't do voices for all the NPCs. Like, even our friend has mentioned, Bill, she doesn't do that. It's, yeah. it's fine. It works. Well, she's not a real DM. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here for, first, kids. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> no. That that is brings it does bring up an interesting point. We all did do pretty unique voices uh, as player characters this time. Oh boy, that sexy McRib. Whoa. I've had nightmares ever since. <laughs> I wasn't going for sexy, but hey. Oh, I thought yeah, your voice was awesome, John. <laughs> I think uh, Pam had that that uh, midwestern. She's literally mom my mom. Twang. She's my mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. Pam was pretty funny. And, uh, you know, and we had some uh, some Romanian uh, accents sticking in here and there. That was pretty good. Yeah, th- occasionally there was something that was somewhat similar to Romanian. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I think after that, uh, after that first part that we recorded, you were really down on yourself because um, mm-hmm. you felt like your voice lagged. But honestly, listening back, I don't think your it voice was so lagged good. that much at all. Like it was really. I don't good. think it did at all. I think you did a great job, Bill. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was. It brought me back to like, you know, episode one of our of the Incorrigible Party podcast, where I was like sweaty palms and super nervous, <laughs> having to put on a an accent, especially one that I've like, you know, as a kid I've goofed around with different accents and have a bit of experience, but I've never tried to do a Romanian or even like really much of a 
Russian, which is kind of similar accent. So I maybe bit off a bit, a bit more than I could chew. I think it's great. And I think it's, it's great that if it doesn't always come off well, I think that makes it even that much better. Oh, man. Emily was like, who's talking? Is this Pam who's talking? I was like, oh, call me on it. Okay. <laughs> but my favorite had to be Jacques, by far. Uh, <laughs> he was quite quippy. Yeah. He was quippy. <laughs> he was like Lumiere. The Jacques and Pam back and forth was... Oh, <laughs> that's so, cool. so good. Like, I would watch a Jacques and Pam sitcom in a heartbeat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) The way he called her Pamela, I was not expecting it. It was so cute. (laughs) And and then she was, like, not able to say Jacques, so she was like, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely, like, channeling my my Michigan family with that accent. Yeah, that's a weird dynamic, because, like, Jacques definitely has the hots for Pam. Oh no! Like hundred <laughs> percent. That's how I was I playing was... it, anyways. I don't know if it didn't come through. I guess. <laughs> no, I did not realize that. <laughs> well, apparently she finds uh, McRibbon sexy. Well, the yeah. voice. I mean, it's all right. You were Just going about voice. it all wrong. Don't Pamela. Jacques has the boom booms to cue. Oh no! Oh man. <laughs> There were so many boom boom stick jokes I was thinking of, and I just, it wasn't in Pam's <laughs> well, character. At one point, you're just like, stop saying boom boom stick. <laughs> I know. That was one thing I did like about this is that you guys all, your characters, liked each other and wanted to work together and help each other. Yeah, that's a bit of a departure from our, our usual <laughs> <Yeah>. campaign. <laughs> So what, uh, Bill and Elena, this being your first character, not from the uh, original podcast, did you like playing somebody different? Yes and no, because I felt pretty useless and frustrated at one point, Uh, like picking spells and things that I thought were cool, but really worked um, terribly against like inanimate objects or animated, what are they? What were (laughs) Uh, Things. Mm-hmm. Not, non-living not, things not beings yeah. so that was frustrating and i probably i actually do regret like throwing such a little temper tantrum there about it because uh as i was telling bill i was like if Bryn throws temper tantrums and then pam throws temper tantrums if all my characters throw temper tantrums <laughs> am i really in character anymore or is it just me being frustrated so well i think because with the bard you were trying to too much be front line and the bard really is a secondary character they are support you are supposed to be buffing and debuffing yes. and that kind of stuff and not really trying to attack so much yeah which like when a debuff spell like sleep doesn't work well that's when you buff that's when i should buff but then not fluff that's a different thing again if Bryn is stubborn and then pam is stubborn it must just me be me being stubborn because bill's like you should be buffing and i'm like no <laughs> so <laughs> so again i think like it's just hard to sometimes not bring your own opinions into the, a character. So I think that's what... I noticed more similarities than I thought in those stressful situations with Bryn and Pam, and then taking a step back, I need to be like, okay, this is an Elena problem, <laughs> not a character problem. <laughs> so, uh, 
oh, whatever. Moving on, though. It, after after I got through that frustration and could, like, cast a spell that worked on a creature, that was kind of fun. So, I don't know. Trying to talk it out was new for me, so. <laughs> yeah, I thought you did a great job. I mean, spell casting can be tough because sometimes it totally flops. Well, like, you've had issues before with not having a ranged spell or things like, yeah. like, even Drudge didn't have a ranged weapon. Like, so just random things that you kind of run into when you create a character. I think it was more difficult to play a character that was third level that you didn't level up with and play so many times. So you're, you got to remember all these things. It's not as familiar, but. That was why I capped it at three and didn't go any higher because I figured that was enough for you guys to have to try and learn. Yeah, all at was... once. It was a good start, and I and I liked the introduction to some spellcasting. I didn't do too much, but I don't know. What about you, Bill? I mean, Falzerin. I mean, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Um, I liked being, you know, a big a big departure from being the glass cannon. Well, the glass. The figurine. squishy. <laughs> I'm not sure that Falzerin's really a cannon yet, but I liked being able to, you know, have an AC that can actually maybe stop an attack or two, be able to get up in people's face and swing at them. That was fun. And the paladin was cool because he, you can do a bit of magic. You can heal, you can smite. So that was fun. I think... It was challenging. Um, I've gotten really used to thinking like Falzerin, and I think in we've talked about this before, but Falzerin is in some ways similar to the way I think. So it's pretty easy to just turn the switch and I'm in Falzerin's head, whereas I noticed when I was grabbing stuff from a chest that we broke into that, and then um, McRibbon looks, you know, kind of, disgustedly over at us stealing from this chest and i'm like oh i'm a paladin too and i'm lawful good so probably shouldn't be stealing from chess <laughs> so that was challenging um to to start thinking like a new character and i think you know as you guys have said it, these are things these are muscles that you need to work out and that you get better and better with as time goes on so but overall it I had a lot of fun. I, I really liked the opportunity to try something different. I It reminded me how much I enjoy writing a backstory for a character because I spent probably way more time than I needed to on... Yes, I agree. Way Dredge too much. Jed's uh, backstory. <laughs> like, I was having a blast looking up, in case it wasn't obvious, which it probably was, researching, you know, Dracula and thinking about how oh so he, obvious totally everyone knows exactly <laughs> what maybe one person didn't clue in but yeah like writing that what into idiot. his backstory <laughs> actually i was being sarcastic i don't think it was very obvious at all until john or leland or someone started counting like <laughs> and they counted like the count that reminded me of well, I tried to make it a, a little bit subtle. Like I said, Carpathian Mountains instead of Okay, no one knows where those are. I do. Uh, if there's geography buffs out there, they they would know. Okay, fine. I, yeah, I don't I know, know where that's they part are. of Dracula's backstory. I know a lot of weird information, though. I don't know that, but anyway. Well, the good thing is these characters still exist. We can use them again. Did you so have the backstory fangs? was not uh, a waste of time. Dracula's fangs aren't out all the time. Another yeah, fact on, I dude. don't know. 
but thanks. Do you even Dracula? No, I don't. <laughs> Do you even Bram Stoker? I count Chocula. <laughs> Leland, do you regret tri classing? Oh, That's what I was going to ask. Hell next. no. It was <laughs> Chuck is literally the best. <laughs> I, oh, man. I fucking love Chuck. And the next goblin, you guys want another goblin NPC in the main campaign? Because you can, you, you can have one. You can have, you can have Jacques. He might die. <laughs> um, you know what? It was actually really the funniest thing that I thought about the whole one shot was because uh, I, you know, level one wizard, I only have like, I, I can only prepare like three spells because my intelligence modifier was shit, right? So I'm like, I'm going through, and I'm like, spent all this time picking my six starting spells. And I'm like, oh, I'm only going to get to be able to prepare three of these. And those are going to be the only three that I can use in this one shot. Like, I, I won't get six of them. Why am I even bother picking six? <laughs> <laughs> and I picked Comprehend Language. I prepared Comprehend Languages for the sole reason because I did not speak Goblin and I knew Pam did. So I could cast Comprehend <laughs> Languages and go- Pam and I could speak Goblin to each other. Or I could understand her at least speaking Goblin. And I actually had a use. That was the best Came thing in ever. handy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. What are the odds? No, I, th- I think Jacques was a bit of a little tank himself. Um, I think I had the most hit points out of the four of us. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's crazy. Um, nah, he was super fun. John, how did you feel about being a paladin? You're not used to being up front like that. Yeah, I I enjoyed, I think I, like Bill was saying, I, I enjoyed more the character development of trying to do something different from Shaft and trying to be something uh, more that, that upfront guy. And I think especially finding that uh, that version of Paladin. So, uh, you know, he was sort of that, that I think I said, what is the Punisher type of Paladin. I really like that feel, and I like to explore that a little bit, bit more on the character. So, no, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I did think he, I mean, the one moment that he had is when he got to really, you know, deal all that damage on that one hit with the great axe and the divine smite and the, that mark of despair thing and, and take that, cool. uh, that guy out. Uh, it was a crit. I mean, it was a, it was a rare situation, but I think that, that kind of thing, when you have a paladin is sort of that, that moment mm-hmm. where you go, yeah, I like this guy. He's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. That is where they shine for sure. I mean, I think all of us except build crit during that part one, it was all, it was crazy how many crits were going on. I, I also think, I should say, my other favorite part was when uh, Jacques jumped on the dog, stuck the dynamite right. in, and said, uh, <laughs> light it up. And I kept sitting there right next to him thinking, he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> We're right here. Yeah, I was but it was so thing. cool. It didn't even one-shot the fucking dog for Pete's save. <laughs> yeah. I let you roll it. That was you. Well, that's true. I don't, I don't yeah. That was pretty <laughs> fun, though. <laughs> My favorite line was when Pam said, Uh-oh. yeah, we can put them in timeout or something. It's not a big deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I literally just like... Anything that came out of Pam's mouth, I was being my mom. I was totally just, I do Pilates. It was like, oh, man. Pam had a lot of good lines. I was impressed. 
Uh, yeah, it was super good. When I was when out. I was when I was editing, um, I think I messaged you guys like just <laughs> when Rippin in his voice was like, "No, there are no doggies." This fucking slavery. This is a fun party. I would I would watch this party again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what it feel like to play a little bit, Leland? It's been probably been a while since you've played right uh, I, you have another i do i do i do play in another uh regular game it was cool playing with you guys for sure i mean that was the first time i had been a player with any of you player backup dm i mean technically you play with us a lot you're an npc but those npcs are then like all knowing in a way too or unless you play them as not all knowing but you know brendel um <laughs> for instance comes to mind yeah, yeah. I don't want no, to talk no, about it. I just... I, yeah, let's not. <laughs> I think I literally we were playing like I was laughing my ass off the whole time playing. I thought it was so fucking funny, and I I love Jacques. I fucking love Jacques so much. <laughs> oh, he's my favorite. No, it was it was really it was really cool. I, I think the tri classing was funny and stupid and pointless, but. I would do it again. <laughs> I mean, obviously. <laughs> right. I mean, if you start us at fifth level, I might qu- quintuple no, class. Do not. <laughs> do not. What you would you can't, make the other two classes? Do you have the stats to do that? Well, well that's the thing. Go? You'd have to have the stats to back it up. You'd have to pick some overlapping stats for sure. Like, well, I mean, if I was, if I had charisma 13 and strength 13 and int 13, I could be a. Uh, a fighter, wizard, warlock, paladin, fighter. warlock, wizard, something, yeah. <laughs> like something just stupidly inane. You don't want to be a bard? Oh, yeah. Charisma, I can bard it yeah. up, too. Yeah. There's yeah, the yeah. fifth one, bard. What do you got against bards? I don't I don't need a party. <laughs> I am the party. <laughs> I didn't come to party. I am the party. Yeah, so I like it. I would certainly love to play these characters again though in like another like quote-unquote continuation like another one shot that'd be really cool yeah okay i'll start preparing maybe in a couple months we could do that let's yep. do it launch in fe- fe- uh, february 1st stay no. tuned no no <laughs> <laughs> i have to try not to metagame now because now that i know that jock is into pam i don't know if she'll be so supportive <laughs> oh no i ruined the dynamic <laughs> Wait we can my, never be friends again. Yeah, I do think it was nice to have a party that all kind of works together and is, you know, not fighting with each other nonstop. It'd be supportive of each other. Yeah, yeah. I'm not used to it. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> the like sneakiness and lying and and or not we not. I mean, I don't know that we're all lying to each other, but like the high we have hidden information for each other. That's kind of fun. I don't know. Maybe it's annoying, but I right. think it's fun. Not enough time to be deceptive in a one-shot. Yeah, no, there's not. What were you saying, Bill? I was just going to say, I, I do really, I think it's a really cool dynamic that, that we add to our story where we have people, we show what it's like for a DM to take someone into another room and, and role play a little bit of uh, a scene with just them, and then that becomes information that the rest of the party doesn't know. I know lots of groups do that but i don't hear it done very often on podcasts so i'm i think it's cool that we do that and i think it's interesting as a player to to have bits and pieces that i don't know 
Yeah, but it's also nice that occasionally when you work together, you can really accomplish stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of the point I was I was making. Is that it's kind of refreshing to have a, a party that's a bit more cohesive and, and striving for the same goal and on the same page. And it's like, you know, one person suggests this or that and everyone's like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Instead of, no, I'm going to go us. off and do my own thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It was weird to be a, a like a good character, honestly. <laughs> like, I had to think, like, oh, I want them to succeed, too, and yeah. <laughs> I did. It's a whole new feeling. You've never had that before. I've never had <laughs> in that. In d It really, in D&D, it showed me, yeah, it showed me how, like, it's only been two characters, right? It's only been two experiences, and yeah, I don't know. I want to learn to play it all so that, like, I can really remove myself more from the whole situation and not... Yeah, get in my own way. I really um, learned to appreciate chaotic good um, alignment because I feel like it's very flexible. Like it, generally, you, you're doing good things, but you're chaotic. So, you know, it, it's it's your interpretation as to what's good and what's not. Whereas lawful good is it's very I could see that being very challenging to play a character like that. Oh, and, yeah. And restrictive. Is that what Shakara is? Um, she lawful. I just wrote good. I didn't write what kind of good, but I think paladins generally are lawful good. Uh, yeah, it depends on the type of paladin. I guess. I'm lawful neutral as McRibbon, but I sort of looked at him as sort of being doing some of the wrong things for the right reasons kind of guy. Oh yeah, well that's the, where the Punisher example came in, which is right. cool. But he's still going to frown upon you guys doing things that he doesn't feel are lawful or the anti-hero. But you don't really get into a lot of that with a one-shot, so um, just sort of gives you the feel for it. So, Emily, uh, any any other words you want to give to anybody for trying out to being a DM or anything that you think you learned uh, through the process? Because we've been sort of a learning podcast all the way up to this point, and now going into Chapter 2, we're going to sort of get away from that a little bit. And so we will sort of want to end it on this one shot to, to give everybody a taste of, you know, a little bit of uh, what it would be like to be a fresh DM and a little bit of uh, information on what you would have to go through to do that. So, yeah, any last suggestions? Uh, yeah, I don't think like I didn't know exactly what everybody's character could do, but I don't think you necessarily need to as long as the characters know what their character can do um, and just know the basic rules. One thing I did mess up is, Elena, when you shot your crossbow, you should have added your proficiency bonus to your attack roll, which you did not do several times. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> also, like like Elena had said earlier, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, and you can, like, work it out with your party. I don't think that, I think that came out okay, where we talked about, well, it would work like this, and we figured it out together. I think that came, I think that worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've i listened to some other podcasts where the DMs, actually, there might be one character who knows the rules a whole lot better than the DM, um, but the DM, you know, is the, that person chose to, they chose that person to be the DM for whatever other skills they bring to the table, and I agree, there's totally nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'm not sure, like, how, how should we do this, or how what's the rule, and, you know, ask your players what they think, and then come to a something that you think is fair 
Because you're all playing together, and if if it's not fun for everybody, then what's the point of doing it? I mean, you're, yeah. you're there to have fun, mainly. I think Leland a few times kind of jumped into uh, ex- explaining as usual. Uh, <laughs> eye roll. <laughs> I did appreciate it, though. But it, that's the thing. As long as you all understand, like... That it's in order to have fun or play correctly or whatever. No one's gonna judge if you needed help on the rules. Yeah, I think, I think the DM should have the ultimate call. They're they're the one who has to, is responsible for keeping things fair and balanced in the world that they're creating or the story that they're telling. But nothing wrong with asking your players for their opinions or help on rules or or whatever it may be. Hold on, a DM supposed to be fair and balanced, Leland. We've been lied yeah. to. What is this bullshit? I never should have let Emily do a one shot. <laughs> Fair and balanced. Brendel my butt. I will say, counter to what you guys just said, it is something that I think as a DM, you should make up stuff. Enjoy it. Go with it. Yeah. Some things might sound stupid. Some things might not work out very well. But I think suboptimal situations make for the best role playing. And sometimes when you just come up with something on the fly and it just seems uh, overly crazy, uh, everybody's laughing and has a good time with it. And I think that's something as a new DM you would be afraid to do and feel like you're going to do something wrong. And I don't think there's anything you can do wrong. I think you just uh, you, you go with it and enjoy it. And the only way to get better at being able to make stuff up on the fly is by practicing and doing it. Yeah. And I think Leland does a fantastic job of, pulling stuff out of his ass all the time and so making he it seem it. like it was planned, right? Because a really good DM, you'll sit down and go, hey, I, he, this is what he had in store all the time. And like I think Elena said before, half the time I think we give him ideas as we're, as sure we're sitting we talking. No, 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 no. <laughs> this I could be this. I've never taken a single idea from any one of you. Every idea that you hear uh-huh. in the main show is Confirmation wholly and entirely right there. my own. <laughs> we, get, we get talking at an after party and I'm like, shh. I will also add to that, John. I completely agree with all those sentiments. Uh, And I will say that you undoubtedly will regret some of the things you make up. 100%. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. I mean, shit, if you really want to, you can be like, you know what, guys? That thing I said last session, I don't really like it. I think I would like it to be this way. And, of course, it depends on the situation. But that's what you can do. So maybe he's not a deep scion? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Falzern is definitely a deep scion well I, I was gonna say in in for us it may be a little different because of the format in which we play right and that's another thing for future one shots very i mean i'm of the opinion especially moving into chapter two where we're really going to try to create this this nicely polished product and i'm i'm kind of i've been thinking a lot of how much more i may want to edit out of episodes as far as like cross table talk that isn't mm-hmm. necessarily pertinent to the story that we're trying to tell and obviously that's a greater conversation that we should have off mic before moving into the new year here but I, that's kind of one of the main things I've really been thinking of that for the show moving forward. And uh, because like, I don't know, I, I obviously love listening to us and I will listen to anything that the five of us get on and record. I mean, I laugh 
incredibly at all of the stuff that I cut out. But I don't think that makes a good <laughs> podcast, right? Uh, but, but I mean, that's just my opinion, of course, right? Unfortunately, my opinion is law because I am also lawful <laughs> neutral and I edit this fucking thing. So. You have, yeah. you do have yeah. the Your editing. opinion is the only one that matters. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think it's the twist between are you sitting or is the audience sitting around the table playing with a bunch of friends or are you doing an audio drama and you're trying to uh, put people into the emotion of what's going on? Right. They're two different things. They are two different things. I do think that a balance, I, don't, I do think there is a balance there. And I think we've been doing a pretty damn good job of hitting that balance. I really do. Mm-hmm. I really do. But maybe we want to teeter that totter one way or the other, mm-hmm. right? Well, right. Wait, saying, what are I, we doing? Teetering the totter? We're, we're teetering that totter. <laughs> With the boom boom stick. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, Leland, did, and ask all of you guys too, actually. Did you guys like, I felt like in these two sessions, we kind of broke the fourth wall a lot. A did lot. you guys? Did you guys like that? There I thought was, it was funny. so much meta gaming. <laughs> I didn't. Once again, I, th- I again, didn't notice is that what, actually. It, like uh, while we were playing, anyway, I didn't. Listening back, I think it's hilarious, and I mean, I don't like Leland said. I will listen to anything, but yeah, like there's the the teeter totter of polished versus breaking the fourth wall, and like. Looking into the camera like Jim, you know, or whatever. Uh, well, I'm really glad you brought that up because I also thought a very similar thing. And I kind of thinking on the lines, well, hey, if if we do move in onto that one side of the, the totter and to the more like audio drama centric uh, or, or, you know, in the vein of an audio drama, uh, an unscripted audio drama, obviously, as we will still be playing and still With be making up shit. Actors, right? obviously. <laughs> But, like, if we start to do more of these one-shots, I kind of was like, you know what? This one-shot was really, like, was a combination of the main show and an after-party smushed together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was more chill. Yeah, and I kind of, I, th- I don't know, I kind of really liked the vibe of it. I thought it was super cool. I mean, obviously, it was still in this this vein of, uh, or this perception of of a learning opportunity, right? And we have stated in the last main after party that we are thinking we're moving away from that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's I, 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 but I totally picked up on what you're you're saying, Elena. I don't know if it, you know, I would call it fourth wall breaking. I think Jacques spoke a lot in character, and everything he said was always in character. Yeah, I think I, there was I, there was a. Sorry, do you want to go ahead, John? Go ahead, Bill. No, go ahead. I think there was a decent amount of maybe that's what what Elena was meaning is that we did a fair bit of talking out of character to you know try and th- there was there was a bit of puzzle solving in this one shot and so I think that lends itself to the players talking and and talking to each other and with the DM to try and solve problems and and figure out what they're supposed to do as opposed to role playing. I just thought of an example that I, I'm sure Elena will agree with. It's probably what she's talking about. At one point, when Drudge was stuck in the gears and finally got his way out of the gears, and Emily was, he's just like, um, or, or maybe it was during combat or something. But Emily was like, "Yeah, Drudge, you can make your way over." And Jacques was like, "Where's the hell is Drudge? Does anyone say Drudge?" Because he's been stuck in the gears for thirty seconds. <laughs> right. Is that what you mean, Elena? Like that kind of stuff. 
yeah, just, I don't know. It just felt looser, I guess. And I felt, I felt like we were sometimes acknowledged, like you were calling Bill Falzerin, like things like that. I thought it was funny. <laughs> and it was like acknowledging that we have other characters in another podcast and another, you know, and. Well, I didn't mean to call him Falzerin. I know. <laughs> I think, uh, like, if we are to, or whatever the progression becomes, like, stay in character and not, uh, like, what did I, I said some type of check in Bill's, like, what's Arcana? Or, like, oh, yeah, he's know, like, you, you like wouldn't that. know. Like, yeah, because Pam was like, I'm really good at Arcana checks. Let me do right. one. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> maybe that, maybe I was just constantly breaking that character, I guess, but. I thought it was fun. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I it, obviously we have to have this conversation off mic, like you said. But this will probably be. Um, I'm not sure exactly when this is being released. If there will be enough time for listener feedback before we do go into the new year and a new chapter and kind of set our sights on a slightly different aim for our show. But um, you know, if any listeners wanted to comment about what they like, what they don't like, and suggestions, we'd be happy to hear them. Are you interested in more of a strictly audio drama and less, you know, chitter chatter between all of us and goofing around or, you know, what, what sort of things do you like to hear? Yeah, absolutely. We'd certainly be open to that feedback. And I, I mean, I know we all kind of thought, well, I think we like, we all like the format of our after parties, but. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe they're also not really like. Maybe there's something we could do differently with them too. I don't know. Maybe. So yeah, if the incorrigible lights out there have any suggestions, for for sure we'd love to hear them. Um, I do think our small fan base is small but rabid. I would say. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're into us. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, too, is when you say the incorrigible party is about to try to get more polished, I just am like, this is an oxymoron. (laughs) (laughs) It's like trying to polish a turd. Yeah, we're going to be the most polished turd out there. (laughs) (laughs) When I, when, of course, when I, when I say that, um, I, I don't, I don't, I certainly, that is not a criticism on any of the, any of your parts, right? I'm predominantly coming from my own perspective of my own, one like my my DMing style. I mean, we just spent two minutes saying how much I f- f- spitball a bunch of shit. I'm gonna I'm I want to attempt to be much more prepared uh, than I have been since we started this podcast. I mean, there I feel like I mean certainly I can tell certain sections of our story we get to. And just because of the way it happens, um, as far as recording schedule, and also the the spot where we leave off between our own play sessions, it's very clear where and what you guys will be doing the next time we pick up. So obviously, for those right. instances, I'm incredibly prepared. Like all like perfect example was going to Erica. Once you guys had grabbed them crabs and we're off on the beach, that was the end of one of our sessions, and we picked up with you guys driving to. And I so I had. I had tons of it prepared. I mean, I basically made a whole little a little mini dungeon, right? Because I was able to to know exactly where you were going, and I feel like I want I want to find a way to be able to do that still in 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 moments of spontaneity with the party, and I think that I can do that better. So that's 
that's really what I mean when I'm coming, when I use the term polish, I'm of course, really speaking about my own habits. You also sometimes like with Tolstoff or other characters, um, I know you've even added some stuff in and post like you have really great descriptions and speeches and things like lined up. Which adds to the audio drama ness, right. polishedness. Yes, and I and I want to have more of the more of those prepared. Because to the listener, they don't know that we didn't hear it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. And and there are um well the perfect instance instance was um with uh Zombie Thuff's description in session fifty six. Right. Um I went and I fluffed it up a little bit in post to make it more effective because because of course, and it's always something that I'm like, man, I I want I I want this to be effective and poignant for the party, and I don't believe that I did good enough job as I think that I could do in the moment because of the way things move, and that was a was again a perfect example of that happening because it was because we well I mean we knew we we knew we wanted a satisfying finishing point right because it was going to be such a big gap between the actual play and release of our main show and we really had didn't know where we were going to get to it or how long it was going to take us to get to it so i it almost felt to me like by the end by the time we got to the end of that episode it was all really rushed for me so that's and that's of course when i forget to do these little things these little interesting things that i or at least i think are interesting that i have planned that i want to do and but Thankfully, because we're in a podcast medium, I'm able to go and and ramp those things up and and actually still be able to do those things. And obviously, I try not to do anything that would, you know, had you guys heard it in the moment, it would have changed what your character would do, right? Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not to that degree, but... Yeah, I mean, I think you're kind of talking about having a bit more exposition and, and description. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 not like bloating episodes worth of exposition, right. but like no, no, descriptive yeah. exposition, short and concise exposition. Yeah. And we all can do a better job of describing what we're doing and what we want to do and things like that. I think even in this one shot, there's a few times where it's like Emily was like describe it to me and John was like tell me what right. you see and I think that's like really good uh prompting that we could continue to do with each other because yeah. we can easily get into the routine of like i slash him for five damage like that's boring sure 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 uh, and yeah. to that point and now i'm all these things i've been thinking mulling over for the past two weeks are finally like coming back to me and again we could really probably should just have this conversation off mic but <laughs> why but, have it like, off mic that's, that's what all the patrons are paying fans. for they want like an instance, details. an instance of of more polished editing, and in, in, you know, again from my like production st- view, right? Like when when you guys are having uh, inter character uh, chats and conversations, and at you know one point one character is saying something to another about world knowledge that they would have, and then they but they are then forced to stop mid exposition of their own and ask the dungeon master is that right and i would just say yeah you're totally good to keep going like those are the kinds of things those instances like why why wouldn't we why why can't we just cut those out and make it fluid as if the whole character is speaking as if they have the knowledge right like so those are the aspects that i really mean when i say like so it's all on you okay it's all your (laughs) 
like when we say hey Leland and da, 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 just cut that out but that's more work for you but uh, you know well okay well that's the thing it doesn't amount to that much work one and also though it it is put a little more onus on you as you guys as players to be able to while recording you know make a make a good cut spot basically right Pause. like exactly so and, or yeah. or reiterate the last sentence you just spoke that's kind of thing we could just go beep real loud when we need you to cut. <laughs> no, what I mean is when we've done it in this episode recording that I will have to cut out and work around. When we speak over each other and someone starts to say something, but then they stop because someone else continues to speak. And then that person then says, and sorry, you were about to say something. And then yeah, that, that, that person out. who was about to say something says, yeah, I was just going to say that. Instead, they should just start speaking as if say no one asked them yeah. what they were going to say, right? Which is why I got my own mic. You can cut me out. Yeah, I've muted you for the last 30 <laughs> minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes. I think, you know, on the topic of exposition and, and descriptors and that sort of thing, um, even if you haven't done as much as you have maybe wanted to at times, Leland, I think the story is making up for that because you know the cliffhanger at the end is a, a great example of oh, you know, yeah. maybe in in the moment you didn't do a whole lot of description but my memory was certainly or my uh, imagination was certainly filling in the blanks and I was like <sighs> knocked was back so onto my yeah my socks were knocked off when you described the scene that we had walked into yeah, that was great. Just unbelievable, and Brynn is the worst. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut more of that out, Leland. Be interesting we'll to see know. how that fireball tastes for all of us. <laughs> Freaking fireball bead. Those little things to add from our Shikara memory be too, fine. right? Like, oh, genius. I'll only say it once. <laughs> Did well, we get speaking any of, uh, questions about the Yeah, I was just say, speaking of the listeners. Well, hold on. John's trying to, been trying to say something for the last Hold on, he's going to cut that out. No, that's okay. He's going to cut that out. I was going to say, he's going to cut that out. I was just going to say the only no, thing. No, you just said it. He's going to say it. He's going to cut it out. <laughs> Pause. Pause for a second. I was just going to say. <laughs> oh, you're going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, all that's going to be in now. He did that's it again. In the final cut now, you just. <laughs> no, hell, let's move on to questions at this point. <laughs> I, think I, just, I think I just peed my pants a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> Is that going to get edited? You know what? Whenever we say edit it out, he doesn't. So. Oh, yeah. It's in there for sure. So leave it in, Leland. <laughs> so, John, you were just going to say. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I just occasionally look like I'm opening my mouth to say something, and I, I just I just shut up. <laughs> so, what what questions do we have? Uh, well, we have a few from Jessica, as usual. Thank you, Jessica. She's rabid. Thank you. She's Jess. a rabid. She's the rabidest. Ah, we be. She sends over Instagram. She contacted us at Encroachable Party on Instagram. She says, awesome episode, guys. You guys felt really relaxed and loose with your role play, and it was so fun to listen to. Do you think you were less nervous about things because it was a one-shot or more nervous because you have limited time with that character? 
What was your favorite part of the new character? And is there anything you would change if you're going to play the character for a long time? I was more nervous. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's more nervous. Same. Really? Hmm. I was less nervous. I think I felt exactly the same as I do every time. Or I the play. same, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe just a little bit uncomfortable with playing a paladin, but I figured, hey, if I screw it up, either somebody will catch it or nobody will. We'll have good stuff for the after party. I wasn't too worried about it. And what was the other parts of the question? Like, do you like about your character? Was that the second part? Yeah, what did you like best? What was your favorite part of them? Uh, and is there anything you would change if you were going to play that character in like a, a long-running campaign? No, I just didn't think I got to explore the character enough because it was just basically going in in a battle, a couple battles and stuff. But I really liked the character, and I'd, I'd look forward to doing another one-shot with him. But I don't think there's anything I'd want to change at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't change a damn thing, Bojack. You guys are going to have to level up. Ooh. Um, what did I like about Pam? I liked that she was easy to play. I was just literally imitating my mom in her most annoying ways. She doesn't listen to this. It's fine. Uh... <laughs> If I could change one thing, I probably would not be a bard. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it would be fun and cool, and it eh. maybe I just need more time. It's hard to tell. It's, a couple it's hard hours. to be a support character, though, because you. Well, I know, for me, I like to be up in the action, and I think I do too. That's one of the things I really liked about Gozer being the barbarian is being up in everybody's face. It's very like Pam, though, to be supportive and. She was definitely being a cheerleader. That was like what I went for. And Perfect. so like yeah. Bard, Bard fits her. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if I could change anything, maybe I would like not lose my scarf in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would just put it away in my well, purse for later. That was honestly the best fucking part of this thing. That's stupid like, scarf. You're going back for the scarf. The two short the, scarves. I was talking to Bill today. I was like, all of a sudden I pull out like a kid's name i'm like i guess my son's name's ben now i was like shout out to bill ben (laughs) (laughs) so i kind of want to expound on her question there then do you guys think that as they are uh you know because bill you had mentioned you put quite a bit effort didn't even answer into the backstory yeah sorry you don't get to answer sorry you're moving we're moving on to this splice it in edit it in later (laughs) maybe you can love your answer into all three (laughs) (laughs) do you guys think that your characters as they stand are flesh out enough to be put into a long-running campaign and by that i mean do you think there's enough there that you wouldn't get bored Say, you know, maybe once we ran them another three or four levels. Do you think your characters have enough staying power? Let's start with Bill. Maybe you can give us a large answer that incorporates all three of those questions. <laughs> well, I've forgotten what the questions were now. So, Well, I can't repeat them for a third What did you time. like about your character? What would you change um, about No, Elena, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think my, my biggest hang-up with this character is trying to do the accent all the time. I think it would be... I either need to do a lot more practice off mic to feel comfortable because it, it would do, it would be cumbersome for me. And maybe it was a lot less obvious to the listener than it was to me um, in the moment or listening back. But you know what, though, about about that. Sorry, before you continue, I wanted to say, like, <laughs> I really liked how I, I liked the fact that you 
you know, quote unquote, struggling to maintain the accent actually resulted in a very interesting and, and like slow and methodical cadence to Drudge's speech. I thought was really cool as a result of that. Yeah, I agree. That's I think what listening I was going back, for. he sounded way cooler than like sitting next to you sweating, <laughs> trying to like. <laughs> but like, it, made... he, it came across really well. You did fine. You did great. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't obvious to the listener how awkward it felt for me in the moment. But yeah, that's that would, apart from the accent, uh, apart from me stressing out about the prospect of doing that accent for every episode, you know, for many, many episodes in the future, if we were to continue a campaign with the character, I think I, I put lots, lots of effort into his backstory and thought into it, so... It would be a character uh, I'd find interesting and with lots of facets for me to be able to play um, off of moving forward. So, yeah, I'd be happy to play Drudge uh, in an ongoing campaign. Um, as for, I think I already mentioned, yes, I was more nervous. Um, I felt like I was back in episode one, just getting used to podcasting again and being super anxious on mic. But um, yeah, you know, it is what it is. What's what's th- what's the name for that? Um, if you're terrified of heights, you should go skydiving type thing. Face your fears, flooding. Yes, flooding. It's a little bit of flooding therapy for me. So um, I think it'll get easier every time. But um, yeah, I I like Drudge. I think he's he's an interesting character with different layers that you could peel back over a campaign. So I'd be I'd be happy to play him. Would he suck any of our blood? It would it would question. be an ongoing struggle for him, you know. He'd be very he'd be a very torn and what's the word? Next one shot might be more of a temptation for you. Yeah, he'd be struggling. With he'd be struggling with his nature versus nurture and um, you know, he comes from a long line of bad guys. Well, at least one bad I wish Falzern had a cool backstory like Drudge, because i love to run <laughs> with that. That would be awesome <laughs> to have in a campaign. Falzern is so boring. <laughs> wah, wah. I'm sorry Falzern. Deep Scion is not interesting enough for you. Ah, we've had enough Deep Scions. We need new blood. So let's bring in Drudge. <laughs> the Brendel twist blew Falzern's socks off. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. I did not see it coming whatsoever. Well, Elena and John, do you guys think you would be able to maintain interest oh, in these yeah. characters? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think you could do Pam? Don't you know? Yeah, yeah. Being a bard? I would do it. I would do it. Or would you multi-class? I'd probably, from becoming friends with Jacques, be like, take a level of rogue or something. But... No, I would I would do it and love it. I would have to come up with like how her family and husband like lets her go adventuring for such a long time, but you know, she's totally, you know, oops, I did it again. <laughs> like, whatever, I don't know. I was I was waiting to use that line, didn't work out, but you should have done it when your scarf got caught the second time. <laughs> oh, no. Dang it. No. It fell right into your lap. Oh. <laughs> Edit it in. I like McRibbon. I really would like to explore more of his dark side. I like the fact that he's 
I wanted to give him a reason to get up in front and not really care about, you know, death in a way, almost like it's a, a gift if it happens. And uh, I really like to, to explore more of a frontline character that I, I usually don't get to play. So, no, I'd, I'd love to play McRibbon a little bit more. That's cool. That's good to hear. Um, so, Jess continues. Question for Emily. Uh, did you find with the DMing that you fell into that zone where you forget you were podcasting? I will prob- I'm will i going to answer that one for you. I'll say yes. As you said, you do when role-playing the rest of the time. Um, and she also really appreciated the decision to have the characters know each other. What brought you to that decision? And the reason I answer for you is because <laughs> that still made it into the recording. There are quite a few instances of you doing stuff on webcam without saying anything for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, she forgot. That we all react to and laugh, and the listener's like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> if you yeah, just I was just playing talking, with you guys. I would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just playing with my friends. Yeah, I mean, there was enough going on for me to try and have both clockwork guardians and know what the hell was going on with them and the three little uh gremlins. they're called azure gremlins or something azure gremlins the lightning gremlins guys and the air elemental and and the gears and, and just trying to keep all of that straight i was not at all worried about the fact that it was being recorded that was that was leland's problem <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, it always is. <laughs> <laughs> so how come you made us know each other? I just thought it would be fun. I, I wanted a, a backstory where I didn't want to have to try and come up with a way that you guys came together. I just wanted to start with you together. Since you were starting at third level and you were... I just I thought it would be easier for me, for one... But then also nice for you guys that you, you don't have to come up with a way of how you meet. And you don't have that awkward character meeting. You just, you already know each other. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I liked that, actually. I, I liked that you just kind of threw us into it and, and skipped that whole beginning necessity that often happens in campaigns where you meet in a tavern and yada yada. Yeah. What, I mean, some of you did technically meet in the tavern yeah that's true <laughs> in the story the back story <laughs> so that was all that that jess had i like a movie that starts out with the action you know the the scene opens up and a guy's running down the hallway and somebody's chasing him yeah that's sort of the i like when start when you start a dnd in in media uh, session and, or you, whatever it is. and you're right in the middle of it right and you don't have time to think i, I think that's a, a fun way to do it now i i know there were some comments from uh mike Caldwell, but uh, why don't we finish with those? Because he says some stuff about that we may as well talk about since we've talked about a lot of shit in this one <laughs> that aren't related <laughs> to the one shot. But I, and I'm obviously not trying to instigate a shitting on Emily, but was there things that us as players were frustrated with in this one shot? Bring it on. <laughs> Polish the turd. All open, all open, all open with the one thing that for most of the at least the last half of that second part i was on tilt because of me not being able to run under those gears without bonking my head 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I messed what? up big time. No, I messed up big time with those gears. I should have made them closer to the floor so that you had to climb over them or it was more of a challenge to climb under them. That was one of my biggest regrets with this thing. Oh, it was still a challenge to climb under them for some no, of us. You know what, though? <laughs> I, I honestly think it was fine as it was. It was just, I'm two and a half feet tall. That's like me walking at six foot three into a, a room that has eight foot ceilings and I'm right. in fear of bonking my head, right? Right. You probably should have just been able to walk under I should, without Yeah, right. I should have just been able to. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was fine. It was totally fine. <laughs> because, yeah, you, you like you said, there were like other like pistons and shafts still coming up on the floor and stuff. And there there were obstacles um, to be bumped into. But you would have seen them and walked around them. Well, yeah. Okay, sure. At least you didn't get grinded between the gears. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and you know what's funny is like those gears would have been like grinding your head. <laughs> oh yeah, right. so be so dead. You're pretty tall. <laughs> oh, no. But the oh. other the other fucking thing was when that stupid battery just hit me, and I didn't even get to make a say. I was because so, by then I was like I'm going downhill into the anger train, and that's <laughs> that's probably why like choo choo the station we're here. That's probably why Jacques got so pissed too. I'm like, all right, that's I'm just gonna put it into Jacques. <laughs> He's gonna be a... Well, Jacques like claiming that he didn't start the fight. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Come but on. Also the uh clock clockwork hunter and dog didn't get a save against when you guys were using electricity downstairs. No, because we rolled an attack. Well, a D twenty was a D twenty was still rolled. I could have rolled for that. You didn't. <laughs> Whoa. I'd say one of the most frustrating things for me was trying to get it in the door. Uh, hitting with a 14 uh, with my great axe. Didn't hit and, his uh, AC. And, right. Well, uh, there was no damage. I mean, at least you give the door a lot of damage, Was what I would say. I would say I'm not missing the door. <laughs> well, I mean, but if it doesn't hit its AC... You're not doing any damage to it, right? Oh, that's where Pam critted. Because Pam walks up and she's like, crit. <laughs> well, yeah, that was just a <laughs> good right. story beat. But I think for destructible objects, yeah, they have that AC because I think it like represents their hardness or something. So obviously, mm-hmm. the like stone has a higher AC than wood does, right? So yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> I get what Emily's talking about. But that was funny that it took us like 10 minutes to get into well, the yeah. fucking tower. You tried to pick the lock and you yeah. failed with all your skills. I started beating the hell out of it with an axe and then Pam comes up and goes, look guys, you just turned it. But you rolled 14 <laughs> twice and the AC was 15. Yeah. yeah. I, just I probably failed. should have just given that to you. Frustrating. Like, Maybe, yeah, enough. just get us in there. Yeah. I think, I think to be honest, Emily, and this is... Your frustration made me frustrated. Like at the end, right? Where you're I was like, so I don't know. frustrated by the end. And so I was so hard. butthurt. That was my temper tantrum. No, but I also agreed with you. Like rightfully, you didn't know what things were. And on the spot, it's hard to come up with it. And we're also all like thinking, is this it? Is this the end? Did we do it? Like what What wraps it up? You know? So. Yeah. I don't fine. know. <laughs> we did. We were, we're fine. It was like. It didn't take away from the fun of it, but I felt like it did for you, so then I was worried that you weren't having fun, you know? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely frustrated by the end of that. I think that's a good thing for a one-shot, though, as a, as a new DM, to have a thing that you go, this is sort of what wraps it up. Kill the big boss, open the thing, you know, have have that thing that knows, 
it sort of gives you the hang on to know that it's over. It's probably yeah. our fault for not remembering what the thing was. Well, no, <laughs> honestly, we didn't solve shit in the Clockwork Tower. We didn't. We just left the poor air elemental in there. We don't. I still don't understand how that building itself how works. How would we get into the air? I don't elemental. know. Like you I know have no idea what the shit, the or the actual orb thing that it was in was doing. I don't know what. <laughs> so I have no concept of how the inside of this building works. I know it has four walls and a bunch of shit in it. <laughs> that is all that Jacques knows. I would have said it was an air elemental that was captured into this ball that was generating power to make the clock. So that was like a I wind turbine. Time. It's like a turbine, oh, right? And that's, that's how it cool. made. Right. Oh, that's what I would have a said. A wind turbine? I never thought of that. That's super cool. I thought when initially I saw that sphere that was like giving off electricity that it was probably being harnessed to power the clock tower. But then I don't think that's the case based on the second floor because there was a battery up there that was powering all the gears and stuff. So the battery on the table. Yeah. Yeah. See the, I don't think it was. I don't think that was. Well, it wasn't powering anything. I mean, nobody knows? knows. Apparently. That's the thing. Who knows? But, uh, it, only, it says it was hinted in the clockmaker's blueprints, the blueprints that, uh, Pam and or Drudge found on the, the far desk. Yeah, but all desk. I could tell was that they were blueprints. <laughs> but which desk was it on, Emily? <laughs> the far desk! <laughs> Maybe those are the things we can edit out. <laughs> it's, meant to, <laughs> it's meant to perform a magical ritual over years, granting elemental power over lightning to the inhabitants of the tower. But to figure that out, you'd have to study the plans for a very long time. In oh, the, interesting. In the tower, so. Interesting. It really wasn't meant for you guys to figure it out. Figure out, right. So how would we have gotten how would we have gotten the air elemental out? Did it have Ooh. like a way for us to like unlatch something? Melt the brass. Well, certainly not blow it up. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, dynamite. That was not it. Why else was the dynamite in the box? Come on. To give it to the gremlins. Oh, right. Forgot about that. Which, to be honest, if I were to rewind back into this campaign and we had the dynamite in our bag and the grem- and we knew that the gremlins wanted something as a bribe to leave and you've got these little mischievous gremlins, like, I'm not giving them dynamite. Oh, yeah. I would not trust those little fucks with dynamite. You know what I mean? Hell no. <laughs> I didn't know they wanted dynamite or else I would be like, sure, honey. They only sure. asked us half a dozen times, we don't want to leave, but what will you give us to get the fuck out of here? <laughs> yeah, well, like, who wants dynamite? I don't know. It seems like that'd be a terrible character decision. I agree. Yeah. I honestly super agree. And it's it's a good thing that Jacques didn't have both boom, boom, boom sticks because <laughs> he probably would have thrown the second one at those little shits. And like, <laughs> blah, 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 like this son of a bitch and whipped it out or something. Just, just lucky chaos. they didn't uh, lightly explore downstairs and find them themselves. Right? <laughs> yeah. Really. So it says a character who can speak... Auron, A-U-R-A-N, learns of the elemental's desire for freedom. If the characters free the creature, requiring several days' worth of work and three consecutive successful DC-15 intelligence checks, it grants them a boon, a wand of lightning bolts. If the characters smash the sphere, the elemental bound to it dies. Mm. So I I think that lends more credence to what was John was saying as far as the how to utilize something like this is if we were going if we knew we were playing these characters and this was just a weird side thing we did in our main campaign we would leave with that wand of electricity or whatever like wand of lightning and be able to use mm-hmm. it 
not in the encounters in the tower, but for the rest of our story kind of thing. Right. That totally makes sense. But there was no way we were going to spend three days there for 50 gold. Yeah, right. 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 And also that sphere was only supposed to have two charges in it. I let you guys use it as many times as you wanted because I like it. Oh, that was good. I like it too. Hey, that's that's DMing on the fly right there. That's good DMing, yeah. You get bonus (laughs) points for that. But you did deny the chain lightning. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little far, I think. (laughs) That was another thing I actually wanted to commend you on, Emily, is I thought even though, yeah, there were some large sections that you didn't know about and didn't make up on the fly, there was a lot of stuff that you did make Mm -hmm. up on the fly. Like when when, uh, McRibbon tossed that that puppy off across the fucking room (laughs) and you, you know, you improvised the damage and all that stuff. So there was, there was a lot of stuff that you did improvise extremely well and was, was very well done. Thank you. Absolutely. I learned it by watching you. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think you did a great job, Em, for that being, you know, what, the second time you've DM'd or? First time all by myself, the, the, other time John was with me right there and he he like he took care of all the monster damage and all that stuff and all I had to do was wrangle the characters. Yeah. Yeah, I know well regardless if that was your second or fifth or tenth time, I thought it was great. Yeah, you did so good. You like make me nervous. Like I want to DM. Again, we're supposed to be like encouraging new people to try it, but I don't know the rules that well. I'd probably say something that I regret, like Leland says, or then we're talking about all the things I got wrong later about it. I don't know. But you made it seem doable, for sure. You can do it. You should 100% do it. I mean, look, all you have to do is listen back to the Clockwork Tower after party, and it's just your guide. You're 101. DMing 101. What not do's and not to do's. We got it covered for you. (laughs) Be prepared. But again, like, you don't you don't need to. You don't need to learn all know all the rules, right? I mean, obviously, I will interject uh, that it seems like I can't help myself, which <laughs> but to, but to again, interject. I appreciated that. <laughs> so no, obviously, you have all of us. Like to back I would you literally, up. like my style of DM would end up being like, okay, so you should probably do a check. What kind of check should they do? Like that's how bad I would have to be. And I, don't I don't think there's anything it. wrong with a DM not being the expert of the group when it comes to uh, the player's handbook. But, or... like, Emily knew her crap. She'd be like, okay, give me a this check. She was, like, authoritative. Well, it. It, that's more like, and that's something I learned from John Davis. He does all kinds of checks when we play with him. It's, it's more like, okay, what, what kind of situation is this? And then what kind of check? Well, that seems like something that would be requiring somebody to use their brain. So that's an intelligence check. And then, like, I don't know if you noticed, a lot of times I would be like, well, use this one or this one. They're both strength yeah, checks, but options, which whatever, which I yeah. Was cool. Which is yeah. another thing I learned from John Davis. Is, use which one is better for you. You could have a you could have a piece of scrap paper, you know, taped down to your notepad or whatever, saying, you know, these are all the different checks, and then you just refer to that when you think a check is, is appropriate to DM see screen? which. Well, probably, yeah. It's on the character sheet. When we yeah, when we play, I just have a, I have like a blank character sheet in front of me. Cause I, cause I have, I have the list of skills right in front of me, and yeah, I could, I mean, I could list them all off, obviously, but it's nice to have it there at a glance. But also, all that we really need to do is, as players, make a, a bit of a tweak in how we play, and and uh, and be more cognizant of us asking 
if we can do a particular check in yeah. an instance. Right. We don't when do I that say, When I walk it up to that door, like I say, can I make a sleight of hand check to try to pick this lock? Yeah. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. very yeah. simple that we all could do to help so you So maybe too. part of that's how, like, we've only really learned from a DM who often is like, give me a sleight of hand check. Exactly. That's exactly okay, okay. right. That's yeah. exactly right. Well, Emily sounded like she knew what was up. So it made me scared. I fooled you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's part of being a good DM is fooling your players. <laughs> then when you need to know, like, the mechanics of how grappling works or how being prone works, like... It's not crucial that the DM knows that off the top of their head. One of the characters might be able to be like, "Oh, you know, I know the rule for that. It's it works like this." And I so I'll I'll also say to re, to uh, further my point of the players asking if they could do a certain check is when the player is going to be like, "I think I want to grapple this guy." There is an onus on that player to be like, "You know what? How do I grapple?" And maybe I can. Mm-hmm. Before my turn comes up, look up the grappling rules in my handy-dandy player handbook and be like, okay, I'm going to grapple this guy. Str- contest the strength deck, right? And then, you know, sure. the DM would be yeah. like, yeah, hell, let's do it. So, you know, it, it, it is more of it, – it's more of a give and take than I think a lot of newer players probably, uh, like, inv- imagine it is, right? Yeah. For sure, mm-hmm. at a table with people you know, not being recorded and sent out to the internet, like, I think – I'd be fine. Well, we should honestly, the five of us, just play but not record. Let's just play. You run us through a a game, and we don't have to record it. We should just play. Yeah. Well, we just won't tell Elena we're recording it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The big mic right in front of her face is not going to be a dead giveaway. (laughs) Yeah. We're just trying to make sure that the new mic is functioning properly, and we want to test it a bit more. <laughs> We're just testing Definitely. levels. Definitely. Do uh, uh, an intelligence check here. Or no, a deception. <laughs> See, there you go. I can do it. <laughs> we should totally play at Origins in person. That oh, would be it, awesome. We should. I want to play we in should. person again because it was so weird and different than um, yeah. Skype. Yeah. A little bit more flooding for me. <laughs> are you talking about that. when you peed yourself or <laughs> well you're getting flooding all over my shoes bill he said roll he went a, a little bit but... roll a perception check to see if you are aware of a puddle roll a medicine check so you don't contract something yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's my stupid laugh that I always hear. On We're running podcast. a little. Oh, everyone thinks they have a dumb laugh. We've all already been yeah, over. Yeah, we've this. talked about it. I think my laugh is uh, very infectious and um, awesome. So, <laughs> well, we we are running longish, and we have been all over the place with this after party. <laughs> Talk about trying to put some polish on this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> but there were some nice comments from um, Michael Caldwell that he sent in so mike says uh that he didn't get comments in on time for our last after our party of course because this is the second after party in a row in which we are recording before all of the episodes release unfortunately due to holiday scheduling but it is what it is uh he just says you know he, he didn't see brendel's betrayal coming but wasn't surprised and just kind of talks about how as we were working through it in the after party all these these moments are clicking with you know brendel coming in uh, back from the the lake and in in after you in the morning and the jack deal and all that stuff so yeah i fooled even the rabid fan 
Michael Caldwell. <laughs> <laughs> but I am I am glad that it was it's at least seemingly as impactful for the listeners as it was for all of us. I think that that's that really makes me happy to hear it for sure. I am oh, uh, so happy mad. you stopped calling people Lelanders. I mean, I'm not sure that rabid fans is better, but <laughs> <laughs> we have to pick our battles sometimes. Frothing at with the Leland. mouth is like what I picture. <laughs> <laughs> so then he says he thinks King Gozer, aka Emily, which is me, did a good job so far on the first episode. So thank you, Mike. He said during one of the after parties, we made it seem like Bill and John didn't talk much in the one shot. It certainly doesn't seem like you two are mostly silent. I don't remember making it sound like they didn't say much. I I do remember what he's talking about, um, as my well, mind is a steel yeah. trap. <laughs> and yeah, because we recorded this so, honestly, we recorded this so long ago, we weren't expecting to release October. this as late as we have, um, just as the kind of things for the show progress. But I do remember talking about it and like, because I felt like, Jacques and Pam, or like Jacques in particular, just wouldn't shut up. Oh, Jacques do doesn't that. stop talking. Like Jacques is just a, a goblin Elena. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Spurn. Well, and Bill was playing up the fact that he felt like he couldn't talk or do his accent. So like really listening back, it didn't sound as bad as I remember it. And yeah, then McRibbon was kind of a quieter guy but they did talk more than we thought they did maybe we just don't listen that much McRibbon <laughs> was my whole idea was just to say just a few things yeah. it wasn't to be very talkative. very minimalistic the, the male paladin yeah. version of Gozer almost <laughs> except in speaking in complete sentences when he does speak <laughs> Pamela <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> as I was saying <laughs> This is off the rails. This is terrible. <laughs> this is so bad. Mike goes on to say this is still the number one podcast he listens to. He says Aww. the incorrigible yeah. party gets the first priority on his playlist. He'll even stop in the middle of other big name shows and switch over to this one every Monday and Thursday. Keep yeah, up move the great over work. Critical Role. Oh, thanks, Mike. That's you say so that nice. all the time, Bill. That's your catchphrase for God's sake. Yes. <laughs> He's really excited to learn more about the backstories and see the development of all the things each character has going on off mic from the rest of the group in chapter two. Oh, yeah. That's so nice, though. All right. Confirmation of the off mic stuff is appreciated. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Mike. We, we, really, we really appreciate hearing that you're enjoying the show. Oh, man. Now I feel all, like, happy. Leland knocks me down and Mike picks me back up. <laughs> <laughs> such, it's a roller coaster ride such for is sure. the circle of life <laughs> everybody plays their part i'm afraid and i i get the the bad role but that's the hand i was dealt and i will rise to the occasion and make sure everyone is knocked down as many pegs as they need to be knocked down so they can be rebuilt better and stronger and fitter and faster just for the listener to know, that was not an added in later exposition. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was saying that right now on the spot. <laughs> he did look like he was looking down and reading from a piece of paper. Yeah, well, <laughs> it rolls off the tongue when you say it enough. <laughs> <laughs>
You got to really believe it too. <laughs> if you don't believe what you're the bullshit you're selling, then how do you expect anyone else to? That's what I learned from Brendel. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's let's wrap things up. Just uh, reminding you that there is a, at the end of the month uh, or near the end of the month a, a, a recap episode of Chapter One, serving as you know kind of a um, a bookend to you know what we've done so far, and really a great new jumping in point for for some of your friends and family that you may want to. Uh, recommend our podcast too which would be great give the gift this christmas of the incorrigible party podcast oh that's a <laughs> that good polished turn it bill. goes really well in a stock now that one bill did splice in after post <laughs> yes yes speaking of splicing in after post don't forget there is a giveaway coming up and we'd love uh some of you listeners to win that so keep an eye out for it if you missed it in the last after party i'll reiterate you can get a bonus entry by just reaching out to us and saying king gozer email instagram facebook twitter however you want to contact us i've been leland Steele and jacques the metier i'm john and i'm mcribbon and shaft i'm elena i play bryn and i play pam on the one shot I'm Bill, I'm Falzerin, and Drudge Jed. And I'm Emily, and I've been your DM. King Gozer lives. And that's our show. Our intro and outro music was created by Josh Jarvis. For your own musical inquiries, contact jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. All other music and ambient noise is courtesy of tabletopaudio.com. The Incursible Party is sponsored by Critical Hit Design. Visit criticalhitdesign.com for all of your graphic design needs. You can find more info on the characters and world at incursibleparty.com. Enjoying the show? Have any questions or rules corrections? Email us, contact at incursibleparty.com, or reach out on social media. The Incursible Party on Facebook and Instagram at IncouragablePar on Twitter, using the hashtag AfterPartyIP for a shout-out during our behind-the-screen after-party episodes that drop every fourth release. Happy adventuring! So, then he says, King Doze... Oh, shit. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> King Gozer yeah, as DM. Yeah, so as I was saying... <laughs> all right this is the after credits this is so i've been john shaft and mcribbon i've oh, wow. been emily gozer shikara and the dm whoa whoa, whoa. And, wait 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 no wait, and wait. The maybe big water lung baby maybe emily <laughs> emily has to go at the end because she's the dm Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Uh, breathing okay. pod. I'm going to restart. Big mama breathing Who goes pod. first, me or I'll Elena? I'll start. I will start. So wait, what's the order? I'm first. Same order, but I'm first. And then What's the last. same order again? Well, I don't know because I don't have to know because I'm always last. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> I'm second. Go.
But when am I? I've been Leland You're last, Steele. Bill. God You're before damn it. Emily. Leland's last. You're last. No, it's Emily's Leland, John, me, and you. <laughs> this is, how do we have so much post-credit in this episode? This is just... <laughs> Please cut this. Please polish yes, this. Yes, no, this is, yes, I'm going to polish the fuck out of this pile of shit. <laughs> This isn't just a turd anymore. No, it's not just a single turd. There are five oh, turds steaming here. Pile. Oh, it's a steaming pile. Bill, you're number four. Can you count? A four, a one, a two. All right. <laughs>